Tonight, we're going to proceed. There's still a times and season that really needs to be addressed out of the Old Testament. That's in the book of Esther that we haven't covered, but that's not among the celebrations the Lord demanded through the law. That was a historical event, kind of like the 4th of July is a historical event. It's just a historical celebration of something happening in a nation's history. And that's true of not only uh, the events of the book of Esther, but also of the Maccabean period and why we have uh, a modern celebration, and by modern since the Maccabean period, of the uh, Hanukkah. And so we have other Jewish things going on. And if you go to Israel today, you have a Jewish Independence Day based upon when they became a state, a new nation uh, in the modern, very modern era. Uh, and it is preceded, the day before their Independence Day is Memorial Day. So they have Memorial Day and the very next day is their Independence Day. So you weep and then you celebrate. Uh, and so they're connected one day right after the other. Uh, my wife and I happened to be there uh, for that, and we were not in a tour group. We had left the tour after the tour and done our own couple of things there we wanted to do. And so we were with uh, people of Israel during that time, and it was very interesting to celebrate that with them. Uh, and not people we knew, just strangers on a bus, strangers in the beach and hotel and things like that that we encountered. And so, so they have other holidays like that, but we're really talking about the law. Okay, what's in the law? What's in the scripture? And of course, uh, when we are going to uh, talk about Esther, we'll get into that. But I wanted to, because we just got done with the events around the seventh month, uh, which starts off with the Feast of Trumpets, then it goes into the Day of Atonement, and then last week we talked about the Feast of Tabernacles, and, uh, or booths. And so we looked at these, and we want to then move into the New Testament. I, I want to do that, and you'll see a little bit why. For the next two or three weeks, we're going to talk about the transitional time between the um, period of Israel uh, in terms of a, the national identity of Israel, the Old Testament, into the church age. And that intertestamental period, of course, we understand to be uh, including the Maccabean, but I'm really going to focus on the life of Christ. And so we're going to be jumping into his birth narrative and trying to uh, resolve some things by the information given us in the Scripture. Because, uh, as we said, there's other celebrations that are happening that are not uh, expressly commanded in the Scripture. We've gone through the law. What does God require of his people, Israel, to celebrate? And even out of those seven, we saw really only three that they were to make every effort to get to Jerusalem for those three high days. And so we, we recognize that there is a prioritization even among those seven. And, but we can see additions, and, and Esther's a great historical account of how and, and why do we add these celebrations into our calendar, into our times and seasons, uh, when we see God at work in historical events. And certainly Jesus Christ... We have no instruction in God's word to celebrate his birth. You'll see no instruction because it's not required. We're going to talk a little bit, not tonight, but in a couple of weeks, about why we should do that based upon the narrative of the event uh, and, and 
uh, we're going to look at, at some of the argumentation from that side. There are a great host of, unfortunately, uh, churches and pastors and people, and if you have the internet, they're all over, that will tell you, well, it's a sin to celebrate Christmas. Uh, well, I, I always have to ask them, well, what do you mean? And are you just annoyed by the term Christmas? Because so am I. I don't like that term and what it means because we're not doing a mass and uh, things on that line. So, uh, but are we really prohibiting the celebration of our Lord's birth? And which would seem, and, and I've encountered this not recently. I've been encountering this my entire time in ministry. I've had people come in uh, from my very first, first year in the pastor it was like oh we should not so i was like uh you know you're gonna have to show me more than that uh and so i've had to address this for 30 years and at this point um i'm still addressing and still developing and there's still those that are touting this stuff and so what we do want to do is say well can we be more biblical in our celebrations of these events of the new testament that we have no law telling us to do it or how to do it, uh, because we are in a period of great grace and liberty, uh, but it doesn't prohibit us from doing it. But we want to do it right. And just as we tried to make a stronger connection to the Christological elements of the celebrations that God does require in the law of Israel, that um, we don't uh, put that upon people as a burden, but rather as a blessing, as an opportunity to rejoice or to mourn in the Day of Atonement over God's provision, over God's work, His plan, His purposes. So we come to the birth narrative of Christ. We're coming into uh, understand one, one of the accusations about celebrating Christmas is uh, the association of that time with some pagan celebrations uh, in that period of time, uh, which is really tied into uh, the... Uh, solstices and the winter solstice and that generally around December 21st in this period of darkness and all of that uh, and that's one of the accusations against that and I would affirm all of that I would say that yeah I think pretty much most of you understand that we do not know that December 25th is Christ's birth day the day of his birth historically in any year I'm going to prove that with scripture tonight Right? And yes, you can prove that with Scripture. Now, before I do so, with what I have, which is going to be kind of unusual tonight, we're going to talk about some of the historical things, how we've often said it. Uh, here's some of the regular arguments you're going to do uh, that are derived from Scripture but aren't proved by Scripture. Okay? And so one of the arguments you'll hear, well, the shepherds were in their fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. So what does that tell you about the season in which Christ was born? All right, it's not going to be cold. Um, shepherds aren't out in the fields at night during the winter. Uh, do they go out in the fields uh, during the winter? Well, the sheep have to eat, so they do, but not during the night. They're not out there with the sheep at night. They bring them into the fold, uh, and that would be the more uh, uh, normal activity. And so they would point to that and say, you see, there's no way it is in the dead of winter. And that is the dead of winter. You know, this, what is that, the shortest day, December 21st, right? The winter solstice there, the, the shortest day of the year. So they're not going to be out in the fields at night. 
during that period of time. And, and there's some rationality there. We understand that, but it doesn't, you know, we're, we're deriving that from a scriptural account. Uh, the other element they talk about is that there is no way that Rome would have required every one of their citizens to travel to their home country in the dead of winter. Of course, Caesar Augustus said that all the world should be taxed and everyone should return to the city of their ancestors to be counted and taxed. And so would that have been done, would it have been required people in the dead of winter? And again, this is a logic argument. It is a, it is a true argument. I'm just saying that it is not a biblical proof, it, but it has a logical argumentation. And you say, well, yes, we should disassociate that from that period of time. And then we can go into all the argumentation of the origins of how do we come up with that date of celebrating Christ's birth. And, uh, and as I've already shared, they uh, variously link it to different pagan practices being accommodated within the Catholic Church which is a very common Catholic practice. They will go in, they will say, we're going to go into this culture, we're going to uh, bring the, the message of the cross, uh, you know, in, in this sign, conquer kind of thing. Uh, we come with the cross, we're going to conquer, but then we start to accommodate some of the false beliefs of those people. And that's why you can go onto the reservations right now into the Catholic churches on the Pueblos and they will do the Indian dances that were done obviously not for Christ. It's pagan rituals that were done there before the Catholics ever arrived on the scene are now being practiced. It used to be allowed to be practiced in the courtyard on the outside of the church. In my lifetime, they have been allowed to come inside the church. And so they're allowing these heathen practices to be enveloped in the church. And so that's been a long-term Catholic strategy is to simply accommodate you uh, as long as you give some lip service to the cross of Jesus uh, while you're also doing that. And so it's synchronism is what it's called, where we can synchronistically uh, worship Jesus and worship as you always have worshipped. And that's nothing new. Yes? Right, and there are doctrines that are appropriated, including from Islam. And so the, the perpetual Virginia Mary is not a, a Catholic invention, it's a Muslim invention. And the Catholics adopted it basically because they were losing the war. And they're like, what can we do? And so there's like, well, you say that God slept with woman, and that's heresy. And so, well, now we ha we're going to make Mary more than just a woman. We're going to kind of make her a demigod. And so she is a perpetual virgin. She never has any. She is um, the mother of God. And so she is a sinless being herself. All of those Mariology of Catholicism was introduced during the engagement under Charlemagne, before, Char before Charlemagne, because Charlemagne beat them. <laughs> Charlemagne come up and beat the Muslims back. And, and that's why they're contained at Spain. But the concessions of the Catholics to try to keep the Muslims from attacking them, doctrinal concessions, all, not all of them, but many of them had to do with their Mariology. So most Catholic Mariology. So this is a long-term problem. And certainly the introduction of the concept of celebrating Christ's birth in the middle of winter uh, was probably one of those concessions and, and adaptations that they simply be brought into the church out of a pagan culture. And certainly as they went into Germanic areas and they went into uh, the, the British Islands 
and, and the pagan cultures they encountered there, there was certainly some accommodations, there's no doubt. And so, but I'm really not talking about that um, because, because, again, um, when was Christ born? Well, we should be able to, to identify that if we really want to celebrate it well. Um, and so uh, we want to do that tonight, not using just logical arguments, but using the scripture. So let's, because that's what we are all about, I hope. Yeah, right? Yes, Pastor, please. Um, that's the correct answer. Or just amen, really loud. All right? Uh, and so we want to keep to the scripture. So let's go to the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is the historian of all the Gospel writers. And so it makes sense that he's going to give us the most information to enable us to identify when Christ was born. And we're not going to get to the date tonight. I'm not going to give you a date tonight. Uh, we're going to come to another one maybe next week uh, or three, two weeks from tonight. Uh, we'll see how this progresses. But tonight I just want to get the season. Let's just figure out, can, can we figure this out? So let's go to Luke chapter 1 in their Bibles. And we're not actually going to look at Jesus' birth because that's not where Luke's narrative starts. It's not really where the, the journey of finding out when Jesus was born starts. It really starts with the birth, with, the, with, the, uh, with Zacharias going to the temple. And so um, we're going to pick up Luke chapter 1. And Luke says, I'm going to lay this all out before you. Uh, and we find that uh, in verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was a, of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now we go through a verse like that, and we say, okay, they're just introducing Zacharias. Uh, he has given us a piece of information that is critical to us to start our journey of understanding all the, the period that we are talking about. And that term that you just kind of blow by is that he is of, of the division. What division is he of? It's, the word is division. Abijah. Now, if you don't have a good handle on the activity of Israel and its history uh, in terms of the priestly service, because Zacharias is there under, as a priest, he's doing his priestly service, and we're going to find out that he is there. And so this is going to be developed. Um, we're given some more information about their uh, uh, circumstances. They had no child, they're righteous, they're walking the commandments, uh, they're old. And, uh, and Elizabeth Barron. So we'll go to verse 8. It says, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood. And so now we are given this information. Why is it necessary that we are identified that he is of the division of Abijah? Is because Luke is trying to help you to understand the timetable of what's going on. The division of Abijah tells us that now Zacharias is serving his community. Now, what are these divisions all about? During the time of David, they took and they had all of the priests, and they found that there were 24 clans, or div and they made them divisions, 24 family groups among the priests. Remember, this is the Aaronic priesthood out of Aaron, and really, more specifically, out of Phineas. And so we have the Aaronic priesthood, and under David, they, in preparation for the temple, they got them all together, and they said, well, we have 24 
families. Well, that's pretty convenient. And so we're going to assign each family their turn. Well, we kind of see that. Okay, well, that means about two weeks or so, give or take a day or here and there, uh, per division. And so let's go uh, back and see where that transpired. Uh, I wrote that down somewhere. I got notes tonight. That's amazing. I was even told that this morning in, by another pastor. I'll go to First Chronicles, I think. Yeah, First Chronicles 24, sorry. See, I've gotten rusty even after missing one sermon. First Chronicles 24 is this account of how they divided all the divisions of the priests. And so we find that uh, they had more leaders than they needed, or more of one group than another group, but they had 24. So, uh, and they were divided and given assignments. So let's look at the assignment in verse 7. Now the first lot fell to Jehoiarib, uh, the second to Jedediah, the third to Hirim, the fourth to Seorim, the fifth to Malchijah, the sixth to Maijamin. When you get to this in your Bible reading section, you're just going to cruise through all these names, aren't you? Uh, the seventh to Hakaz, and the eighth to Abijah. So we're talking about the eighth division. So they not only divide them, but they said, this is the order in which you are going to minister in the temple. So we know, because we have studied God's Word, we have a pretty good idea of the, how that happens. So where does it begin? Well, it begins with the beginning of the year. Remember, so we're looking at the beginning of the year, and so that would take us to... No, not January, because that's not the beginning of their year. What's the beginning of their year? Not, it's, nope. All right, remember, Passover is the 14th day of the first month of the beginning of the year. So the date of the Exodus is the, be, or at least of the giving of the law there, the Exodus is the idea of this is the beginning of your year. And so it is a lunar calendar and is tied to a moon. And we talked about whether it's a new moon is a dark moon or a new moon is a full moon. And my contention is a full moon. We'll see a little bit about that. I'm going to use full moon tonight uh, because I'm becoming more and more convinced it was tied to a full moon. And so we discussed that. And so that would be in the spring. And you can't really assign it a month because it varies. Because... Our calendar is a solar calendar. Their calendar is a lunar calendar. So sometimes it's as early as February, which it was this year. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's uh, six weeks later. Uh, not usually that much later, but occasionally it does get to be pretty late. And so remember, it is the first new moon of the rainy season. All right, and so we're looking for the spring rains and so in an agricultural environment, they knew when that was. Now, does that mean that occasionally they had to add a year? Yes, they added a 13th month occasionally, and that was uh, prepared for and addressed um, in, in some other uh, activities so that it would stay seasonal. So occasionally, and I mean occasionally, not like every four years, not like your leap year, because you're talking about a whole new moon cycle, uh, you know, a whole lunar cycle, a whole month. So very rarely you'd have to have a 13th month uh, added in, and, but generally 
uh, as the case would be, you'd start with the new moon. And our contention is the new moon is the full moon, not the dark moon, uh, where it's dark. And again, we talked about we move from light to light, not from dark to dark. So uh, we are told that it is in the vision of Abijah, so he's going to be there for two weeks, approximately. Okay, approximately two weeks. Uh, I would contend that it's going to be from a, either a full moon to a new moon, or a, a full moon to a dark moon, or from a dark moon to a full moon. All right, and so they're going to handle that. It's not actually two weeks, it's that period of time. Uh, so that they would, it would have a start off. And so we're looking at the eighth division. Okay, so, well, when is the eighth division is the question. So we're going to do something kind of interesting tonight. I hope it's interesting to you. Uh, I, I can go back and try to uh, actually ask Wade, can you, can you tell me the lunar cycles from times like 1 B.C., 2 B.C., 3? And he sent me a couple of programs. It's kind of funny because he said, well, I don't know how trustworthy these are. Uh, and when someone who's that's his job tells me that, you know, and I'm, I'm a layman, uh, I become wary. And he says, well, one thing, they, they all include zero. Uh, because, you know, we went from 1 B.C. to 1 A.D., but computer programs don't like that. So when they count backwards, they go, you know, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and they always include zero, but there is no year zero. That's why 2021 was the beginning of a decade, not 2020. This is the first year of this decade, because the decade started in 1. There was no year zero, right? So the first day, first year of the decade is one. That's why 2001 was the beginning of this millennium, not 2000, not Y2K, it was 2001 was the beginning of a new millennium. Uh, 2000 was the end of, a, of, the, of the second millennium. And so we come to this, and, and I asked him, well, can you do this? And, and it just got really difficult, and then you have to figure out which year you're looking at, and and there's only a couple of things available. So I said, well, let's scrap that. Let's just say, let's just start, let's just imagine that this all happened this year. Let's just, let's just draw the account of Zacharias going up to the temple uh, and bring it into 2021. And, and I'm hoping this will help you visualize what season Christ was born in. And so um, I'm going to do that. So I, there are lots of calendars of what the moon phases are in, in our modern time. There's lots of those available. And so I'm going to bring up one. Here we go. So this is the um, calendar. I don't know if you're going to be able to see it. This is um, 2021. Uh, lunar cycles, and you can see the full ones, um, and the quarter ones, and the eighth ones, and the, and the new moons are all listed there, okay? So it gives you about, uh, what, eight of them, nine of them a month. So it gives you more than just four out of each cycle. It gives you multiples of them. So we're just going to pay up. So let's just say it's this, this year, okay? And so this year... The full moon that we're looking at happened on February 27. 
So is that the beginning of the year? That's day zero. Remember, the, the new moon is day zero. It is not counted. So you start from the new moon and you start counting. And you're going to count from this new moon right here. So this is the beginning, but this is day one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fourteenth day is a Sabbath. It's also the Passover, right? Fourteenth day of Nisan, the first month. And so you can see how you're going to have either a new moon at the beginning or the end. And so there's a there, your two-week period. So that would be the beginning. Now, if we started here, where are we going to be? We start, if we start with the dark moon, then Passover is going to be down here, right? No. One, two, three, four, yeah. One, two. So it's right there. And that's when Passover was. This, this it happened on a Lord's Day this year. Uh, but we're going to go with the full moon. Uh, just because I want to, because we're going to be ornery. So we're going to be up there in February. Uh, here is the beginning of, here's the new year. Religiously, here it would be. And Zechariah is going to be on eight. So you're going to have to go, here's two, here's a, a full one that's four. We're going to have to go up to, it's every, it's tied to the lunar cycle. Every two weeks is one. Did I say two? Oh, I'm sorry. Here's one, two, three, four, five, six, we're into June, right? I'm counting here, seven, eight. So he would not serve on this day. His service would begin at sunset, June 25th. Is that right? I got to check my notes here. So sunset, June 25th, would be the end. He would serve uh, the 24th. He would include that day, and he would be done June 25th. So that's when he was serving in the temple was middle of June. Now that's going to vary different years. So if, you, if I use 2020 as our starting point, it would be later. Easter was later last year than this year. So it's going to vary because it's the moon versus the sun calendar. But uh, for if it happened this year, then he's in there serving from June 11th to June 24th. He would be there serving. He's going home on the 25th. He's heading home. Why is this all important? And so that's the order of Abijah. That's why that information is given to you. Now you know when this event happened. Because it was a substantial event in Israel. Because it says, the word of the Lord was rare. And then this was the beginning of the wonder of the coming of Christ, was the account of Zacharias in the temple. And so we find that here, um, Luke gives us the information that if you know something out of the scriptures, and you know the handling of the temple priest uh, service, you can identify, if you knew what year Christ was born, you could make it more precise. Uh, and, and maybe we could try to do that, but we don't have a lot of information that we could do that with that I'm going to use extensively to do that. So we're coming up on the celebration of that. Right now, 
Zacharias is in Jerusalem serving. If this were the year of, our, of this account, he would be serving this week. Right? Because he'd be serving... No, it, start, it goes the 11th, because it's the 8th. Not 8, finished. He is the 8th division. No, the 7th finishes, and then he starts the 8th. So the 8th is his. So, the, so this is... Um, and if you want, I have them all written down there, and I did it in order, so I wrote it down to make sure. And so he would be there right now. Isn't that kind of fun? I just thought that was fun because tonight we're studying it, and I'm like, he would be there now if it was today, if it was this year. He's there now. All right? So Zacharias is there, and he's probably already had his, had his encounter with the angel, and he's a, a mute priest, and everyone's talking about it this week. Something happened in there. Zacharias isn't talking. He can't talk. He, he can't. Can you imagine a, a priest that can't talk? He, he, something, he was in there a long time. This is, the, this is what's going on in Jerusalem this week. They're talking about this. Zacharias is there ministering during this period in June. I didn't plan this. It just, uh, the Lord did. So we're studying it at this. We did this. So, Zacharias is there. Well, why is that important to when Jesus was born? Well, let's keep reading. So, uh, Abel, we have all the information, and uh, let's go jump on to verse 23 of Luke 1. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. So for two weeks, he hasn't seen his wife. He's, he's, he's ministering. He is resident in Jerusalem. And now he's going to go home. And he has this word of the Lord, and he's going to visit his wife. Uh, it says, 24, now after those days, as the days of his service, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. So, there we go. So he goes home, and we can fairly confidently assume that she is, going to conceive within that week. How does that help us? Well, because she's going to get a visitor. So for five months she hides it. So now we have to go five months. And uh, she hides it, so we're right here, and now we're going to go, um, we're going to use this new moon, or this, yeah, new moon, full moon. We're going to use the full moon as our marker. Now let's just go five full moons. See, so you're going one up there in July, two, three, four, five. Now you're in November. It's, she's hidden it for five months. Remember, a lunar calendar, five months means five lunar cycles. And so now we're into November, November 19th or so, and she's hidden it, and she hasn't told anybody, but six months she reveals that. And uh, now let's go to see what happens. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the sixth month of what? Of her pregnancy. In the sixth month of her pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And she was troubled, and we know this account from all of our study. So, the fifth month, 
was concluded here November 19th. So now she is into her, now we got to go the fifth month is this month. Do, 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 do. Now we start the sixth month. So if that's our marker, then this is the week of, that begins her sixth month. And it proceeds all the way till we get into 2022. So what happens during her sixth month? Somewhere within that sixth month, wake up. I'm not touching this. We have the visit of Gabriel to Mary, and now we are into around the 1st of January, thereabouts. Let me go to uh, the next calendar, 2022. I guess that is as big as it gets. And so we're, um, so now we're into this area. Of January, this is, would be the end of the sixth month. So somewhere between that December date and this date, Gabriel's going to visit with Mary and say, you're going to have a child. The sixth month begins um, November 20th to December. Yeah, I'm sorry. December 20th to November, November 20th to December 18th. Correct. I'm sorry. Yeah, so that's the sixth month. So somewhere between November and December... You're right. I'm sorry. I should have checked my notes. That's why I did it this way. Somewhere in November, between November and December, that's the sixth month, because this ends the fifth month this week. So somewhere in this month we would call December, Mary is told, go visit your relative, right? Go visit her. She's in her sixth month of pregnancy. So somewhere in November to mid-December, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. All right? And so uh, she is told that. In verse 36, it says, Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Statement of faith. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. See that? To the city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke with a loud voice, saying, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And then, of course, we have the song of Mary in response. And there's one phrase we want to fill in and, and uh, focus in on that. Uh, and that's verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things things for me and holy is his name. So there's going to be a fulfillment of you're going to give birth to a child and Mary's statement indicates that something's already happened in her life. So when we come to this we look at this well somewhere between November 19th and December December 18th we have this visit we know that that things are happening God has already been at work you're going there to affirm this, and now Mary has hurried herself up there, and somewhere in this period of time, we have the arrival of Mary in 
the home of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and we find that she says, God has already done some great things in me. And now we're going to call that the sixth month of Elizabeth's um, pregnancy, the first month of Mary's pregnancy. Now, could it be early or late? Probably later in the month, but it's that, that period of time. Between November 25th and December 18th uh, is a likelihood, if it was to this year, if it was this year, okay? It was the likelihood of her uh, conceiving Christ in her womb, where God has, Holy Spirit has overshadowed her. Now, if that's the first month, what are we looking at? Let's go to, now we can go to the next calendar, right? So if that's the first month, then this is, let's just use the, new, the marker. I can use the cursor, can't I? I'm not very illiterate, computer literate. So here's the end of the first, end of the second, end of the third. Oh, wait, it's going across. They changed it up on me, didn't they? All right, forget the cursor. I can't do it. All right, so yeah, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. This is the end of the ninth month of Mary's pregnancy. What happens at the end of a pregnancy? You give birth. <laughs> okay? Um, so is it nine lunar cycles? Well, if it's 40 weeks, it's a little bit more than that. Uh, but it's essentially, am I right? Did I count that right? No. I'm one off. It should be up here. Because this... Because that's the first. This is the second. End of the second. Third. Yeah, it's actually one earlier. It's right here. Somewhere after after this, certainly somewhere between here and here, you're going to have uh, two weeks later a delivery. So somewhere in late August or September, you're going to have a delivery. So that's the season that we're looking for. Not because I prefer that, not, none of that. Uh, and why am I teaching this now? Because what is the seventh month all about? Trumpets. Trumpets. What else? The Feast of Tabernacles. Not weeks, uh, the Pentecost. Tabernacles. You get to live in tents. God tabernacled with us. That's what the Bible says. He tabernacled with us. is describing the incarnation. And the Day of Atonement. All is in this period of time of Christ's birth. And so again, this is, this is just taking what Scripture says, and, and with a little bit of work, we can say, well, if this happened this year, if Zacharias is on the temple this year, Jesus' birth is going to be in the fall of next year, of 2022. And that is an argument from Scripture. Not from logic, not from these other... The other information is helpful, but it, it, it's, it's, and it's certainly derived from there, but it's not what the Scripture declares. And here we have some very precise information given to us by Luke, the great historian. And it shouldn't surprise you to see that here. The problem is, is that we have largely allowed ourselves to be ignorant of this information to the point of being able to identify 
at least the season of Christ's birth. And again, now if you want to say, no, I don't believe it's the full moon, I believe it's the new moon, then just move all these dates two weeks later. You're still in the fall. You're still in September, maybe early October, uh, depending upon the year. And again, every year, because our calendar year doesn't hook up with the, with the, with the lunar year, it's going to shift around. But it's always in the fall. And remember, the Feast of Tabernacles is after the harvest. Now, when are you going to tax people? After the harvest, aren't you? You're going to wait until the harvest is finished. That's when you tax people because that's when they have stuff. You don't tax them in the middle of the winter when they're scratching by. You don't tax them before the harvest. You let them harvest their fields, and then you gather them together, and that's when you tax them. Uh, is, is in the fall, if you're an agrarian society, agriculture. And so this is the second harvest. Remember that the Pentecost was the end of the first harvest, and, and tabernacles was at the end of the second harvest. And so it would make sense. It un we understand why there are shepherds watching their flocks by night. It fits all those other arguments, but we have biblical evidence not just a sum, but biblical evidence that this is the season that we're looking for for Christ's birth. There's no reason to look for it in middle of winter. And I know we have the little carol in the midwinter, and, uh, but that's just not biblical. It's not because I don't prefer it, it's because the scripture tells us this. And anyone that can do this little bit of work can figure that out. And so, do I agree with those people that are going to say, we shouldn't be celebrating December 20th? Absolutely. Okay? And you guys know, yeah, my, I'm going to turn it off. I don't, you don't need that anymore, I don't think. That we, we can see this and we see, well, that's, again, biblical record. You have to know some Old Testament things. You have to extrapolate. You have to sit there and count new moons or, or full moons. I mean, you got to do that work, and we don't know what year yet. We're going to try to help you with that next week of trying to limit it down to the year. But now we're at least in the right season. We realize we should be looking at September, you know, late August, early October is our range now for Christ's birth, which fits right into God making the seventh month of the year, which that's their seventh month, seventh lunar cycle of the year, a big time of much activity uh, to gather the men of Israel together. And it kind of now starts to connect some dots, hopefully, for you with the uh, laws, requirements, and Christ's coming. That there's nothing going on in the uh, biblical calendar in the middle of winter. It doesn't make sense. Why would you make Israel do that? No, it is all being done in the fall, when there's lots of plenty around, that's the time you tax, that's the time you do the census, that's the time to travel, that's the time that they're out at night. And most importantly, though, it is the biblical account. Luke tells us when. But remember, there was no calendars, because there's no B.C. and A.D., is there? He does tell us what year. But we have, but we don't, he tells us who was, the, who was the king, who was 
this, and he tells us by officials, and that's how they kept track of years. In the fifth year of King David's reign. Well, you knew when that was. Oh, that was like 18 years ago. Okay, they didn't use it and say, well, in, <laughs> you know, in 700 B.C. You know, they're not going to say that because they don't know. Uh, but this is the, the best Luke can do for us, and to ignore it is foolishness. So when should we be celebrating Christ's birth? Is in the fall. We're going to get a little more precise next week. Um, but I just want to see you, that you can do this work. Just know what the divisions are all about, know what they're for, know their time frame, know when to begin, and know the communications, and you're there. And it makes perfect sense that it would be in conjunction with these very, this is very full season of worship for Israel. Okay, any questions, comments? I'm not going to go any further tonight because I get into a lot more stuff. Uh, I, I've taught before, um, and I can repeat it now a little bit, um, I believe that there is some historical evidence that the arrival of the Magi was in January. And would it make sense if Christ was born in September for the journey to get there and the arrival? And, that, and so my family celebrates that for the last few years, the... the Arrival of the Magi, that's January 8th. And that's when we typically have our version of Christmas, is the arrival of Magi. Um, and that, uh, that, that would support the whole idea of gift-giving, of worshiping Jesus Christ as a baby, um, and things like that, because that's what the Magi did when they arrived. Whereas he was born king of the Jews, we want to go and worship him, we want to present him our gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, we, are, we are publicly identifying him. And I'm okay with all of that. Uh, and so that's why I've, I've seen some evidence for the Magi arriving that late. But in terms of Christ's birth, it, it, it has to be. Because the Bible declares, tells us when it is. It is in the fall. And so don't be surprised. If you, and if you follow me on Facebook much, you know that every fall I say, Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> And, uh, and then I usually get comments from the people in the Philippines. You guys don't follow me or something. You probably hear enough about me on the Lord's Day that I have to watch my Facebook posts. But uh, I'll just say, I'm going to be gone, but, you know, happy birthday, Jesus. Because that's when he was born. Right, the 12 days of Christmas end on January 8th. That's the 12th day. And we back it up to the 25th. And those that really want to say, oh, it's connected to this and this, and I just, you know, if that was the case, it would be on the 21st and not the 25th. And, and if we keep going to pagan rituals, you're going to block out pretty much every day of the year. Because Satan has pagan rituals all over the place every day of the year uh, in different religions. So you can make a case against any day of the year based upon pagan rituals. Uh, but this is biblical authority that we can say, well, within... Within, without a doubt, within this period of time of the seventh month, um, 
and into the eighth, maybe a little bit, um, of Israel's calendar, the Christ was born. Based upon what we find, because the visit with Elizabeth was in the tenth month of their calendar, and then, uh, now what would throw a monkey wrench in this is if there was a thirteenth that year, um, but it's, prob- it's, it's very unlikely. It's, it's not a regular occurrence. Okay. Any other questions? Yes, that's from the Magi visit, going backwards. Modern Christmas is a modern invention. And please recognize it, it's, it's, it's less than 150 years old. Yeah, and so don't think that every, you know, you go back 200 years, 300 years, they'll be celebrating Christmas. They didn't. There was no Santa Claus. That was an American invention, largely in German, Germanic origins. And most of what we associate with the concept of Christmas is really a very modern, in terms of the last 2,000 years, a very modern invention. Um, and it is unbiblical in many respects. And I, had, I, I honor the people that want to make that case. Um, but we're not going to sit there and say, you're an apostate if you celebrate that. I'm not going to go that far. But I am going to tell you, Christ was not born in the middle of winter. He was born in the fall after the harvest and in conjunction with these other important dates that we just got done studying. All right, we're going to pursue this a little bit more next week and uh, we're going to try to narrow it down a little further and this is going to take us into some other scripture. Okay, so I just wanted, but I want to deal with it now because of, we just got done dealing with trumpets, atonement, and weeks, and, or I'm sorry, trumpet, atonement, and booths, so I wanted to tie this into those very quickly. Let's have a prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word and its trustworthiness. And Lord, um, help us to just desire to worship you and to celebrate you uh, better and, and to modify our thinking that it might be more biblical. We thank you for the faithful record of Luke giving us this and laying it out for uh, those who are friends of God, that we might uh, have this information. We pray that we might be willing to act on it, not just add it to our data, but to let it impact us in our lives to your glory. And not in a prideful way, but simply in an informed way, uh, and that we might have grace toward brethren who are ignorant, that don't have this information. And we pray that you might uh, help us to just continue to minister there as well. In Christ Jesus' name, amen.